So brothers and sisters, uh, one person from history that um, I admire is, uh, is Thomas Edison, uh, the inventor of the light bulb, as the story goes. Uh, what I like about him is that he was tenacious. Um, he kept at his work, his dream, his goal, until he had achieved what he set out to do. Uh, his famous line, perhaps you've heard it, um, is, uh, is this, uh, I didn't fail. I just found 2,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Uh, I needed only one way to make it work, or something like that. Uh, don't quote me, please. But uh, even before Edison invented the light bulb, uh, he envisioned the light bulb. Uh, he wasn't in his laboratory thinking, uh, I wonder what random thing I can uh, create with this thing called electricity. Instead, he thought about it. He, uh, uh, why couldn't this work? Uh, he must have thought. Uh, why couldn't electricity be a, a source of light for people? Uh, replacing the, the whale oil lamps, uh, the kerosene lamps, perhaps, the, the gas lighting uh, of, of his present day. Uh, he was a thinker. Uh, he, he didn't rely on others, but instead set out to harness the power of electricity to light the world. And uh, we are all the better uh, for his intelligence and ingenuity. However, I am also willing to recognize that we are not all Thomas Edison. Uh, most of us are not originators, but imitators and, and users. Uh, and that's okay. We, we all rely upon someone to teach us, to give us a, a head start in, in life. The problem, of course, is we all, some part of us, I think, we all want to be a Thomas Edison. Uh, we don't want to have to stand on someone else's shoulders. Uh, we want to do for ourselves. Uh, but even Thomas Edison surely had to rely upon any number of scientists who had, who had gone before him. The issue, the, the matter before us this morning is teachability. And it can be quite the rare commodity. Uh, it's, it's a virtue, teachability. It's a virtue that seems hardly even mentioned in the collection of virtues that are still recognized today. And it's a strange thing because uh, sometimes we can be very teachable. Uh, like with finances, if you're like me at least. Uh, maybe you have a financial advisor. Do we not recognize that advisor is just another name for teacher? So why are we so willing to accept the, the leading, the advice, the counsel of a financial advisor when we might refuse to be taught in certain other areas of our life? And maybe you have a doctor. Uh, don't you recognize that your, your doctor is bossing you around, telling you what to do, what you should eat, what you should not eat? Why are we so willing to accept the teaching, the advice, the counsel of a doctor when we refuse to be taught in certain other areas of our life? It all comes down to survival, I think. Uh, if survival is on the line... If it's a matter of life or death, well, then by all means, tell me what to do and I will do it. I think of those who uh, finally quit smoking when they realize their life depends upon it. 
The problem, I think, is that we, we don't recognize, however, when it is a matter of survival. And so we, we look to our employers and just figure they're bossing us around. We grumble, mumble, and bumble uh, because survival in this world is not in question. We, we figure that, well, if we don't keep this job, we can always get another. And so it is that children might grumble, mumble, and bumble uh, in answer to their parents' instruction because, because they don't think that survival in this world is even an issue. Life? Well, that's a given, at least for 70 or 80 years, if we have the strength. So says Psalm 90. So teachability is a, is a key virtue. It's, it's irreplaceable. It, it really is the matter of life and death in this world. Uh, if you don't learn at a very young age to look both ways before crossing the street, you might get run over and killed. Uh, if you don't eat your vegetables, uh, you are not going to grow healthy and strong, at least not to the degree and extent that, that you would if you ate your vegetables. And the list goes on in terms of what we might call the laws of life. We all demur, we all chafe at someone telling us what to do. But why are we really so foolish? Well, yeah, we are. That's what sin does to us. The state and condition of sin into which we are born makes us proud and thereby unteachable and ready at every step to reject or resist and to rebel against the teaching offered to us, the, the wisdom available to us by those who might otherwise be a blessing to us from God. So as we consider the fifth commandment this morning, we hear this instruction from God, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And let this be a, a first point to, to this proclamation of God's word that that the command of God here is simply to honor those smarter than you. Does that hurt your feelings? Or are you willing to be teachable? On one hand, I, I don't think we have any problem admitting that there are those people who are smarter than us on any number of issues, and, and so it, it shouldn't be hard for us to understand that, that knowledge and wisdom need to be taught. And that we should expect throughout our lives that we need to be taught and that this is God's way. We should hear the fifth commandment as God's saying, in essence, here's how it's going to work. Those with knowledge and the wisdom of experience must teach those who need to learn and gain from their, from their experience. I think here of, uh, of rock climbing. Not that I do it, um, but I think, uh, I think about two or more people climbing together. Uh, the first one is perhaps the better climber, and as he goes up the side of the mountain and, and manages to uh, gain a, a stable position, uh, he turns around and, and he calls out instructions to those who are coming up after him. Uh, there's a loose rock right there. Beware of it. Uh, there's a foothold over there uh, and, uh, and a handhold uh, up higher. Whatever the danger, it, it, it can be pointed out. 
whatever the advantage it can be given to the one who follows after. This is what the fifth commandment is about. The call to honor those smarter than you. And does that hurt our feelings? But the point is not even that someone is is better than us, not necessarily more intelligent than us. It's just that they have more knowledge. And it's usually because they have been around longer than we have. And it doesn't even have to be the matter of instructions called out by the lead person. Children and others uh, can learn just by watching. Oh, I, I, I see how they did that. I, I will do it the same way. Uh, they took that path, and, and I will do the same. Uh, this is God's design for the family, for the relationship between, between parents and, and children. And so this fifth commandment even, even has a connection to all the others. We pointed out with the third commandment, if you recall, that the words, for God will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name, that that could be added to all the other commandments as well. So why the third commandment? Well, because our words and our, our use of God's name uh, can seem quite insignificant. What does it really matter But God says it does matter, and it matters greatly how we use his name. Then with the fourth commandment, uh, last time, we we saw how it applies to all the other commandments. Because even as we go about living an obedient life, we must be resting in God's grace and mercy. Resting in Christ to do the obedience that actually saves us. Our obedience, even all of the Christian life is a response to Christ's obedience. Because because the obedience of Christ saves, so we obey because we love him. We, We want to honor him. We want to honor him first by resting in him. And there, of course, is the reason again for our first day Sabbath each week. But the connections continue with the fifth commandment. Because here God is teaching us that we need teachers. We need his law and his gospel. And so we also need those who are smarter than us to teach us. Maybe they, maybe they have a higher IQ than us. Maybe not. But even if they just have more knowledge than us or greater experience than us, we need those who are smarter than us to teach us, to guide us, even even to correct us. How dare you correct me? How dare you tell me I'm wrong? Go back to the mountain, the mountainside and and those climbers. Suppose suppose the person in the lead turns around and sees another climber about to make a mistake. He recognizes the mistake because maybe he made it and uh, had to recover from it, or maybe he almost made it. So he calls down, no, no, not that way. Do this instead. Go left around that boulder, not right. And suppose the person following says, oh, be quiet and quit telling me what to do. Wouldn't it be better for the one following to say, thank you for the help. Thank you for the warning. I appreciate your concern. Well, that's what the fifth commandment is, is all about. It, 
it really does apply to all the other commandments as well. Parents must be teaching their children we must have no other gods as we live before the face of our God, the one true God. Parents must be teaching their children we must not uh, make an image of God, but seek to worship him by his word in spirit and, and in truth. Parents must be teaching their children that the, the right worship of God even comes down to using his name in a careful and honorable way. Parents must be teaching their children that God works for his people, that God has worked so that his people can rest in the person and work of Christ for the salvation of the entire family. And so comes the fifth commandment. Can we see the progression? Can we understand the connection so that children hear the call to listen, to listen and to learn, lead, listen, and learn? Can we see how the fifth commandment applies to all the other commands of God as well? In order to be teachable, and to remain teachable, we, we need only remember that this command is from God. This is the law of the God of love. And remember that obedience is for a blessing from him. The second point to this sermon is obedience for a blessing. The fifth commandment says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, we must remember that the law of God, or that if the law of God sounds like a burden, well, that's not any problem with the law. And it's, it's not the case that God is being a, a tyrant. Indeed, God commands his blessing. And this understanding, this wisdom, is even built right in, we might say, to the fifth commandment. Here we can go back again to the story of creation. It's amazing how connected everything is to the story of creation. But here we can remember that, that when God had created man, God said to him, You may eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can we hear that that's, that's a law from God? And it's a law that came with a warning, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. But what happened? What did the, what did the devil do? The, uh, think of how Satan used the very law of God to tempt Eve and to draw her and then Adam into sin. Did God really say that you may not eat from the trees of the garden? Here the evil one was speaking falsely and putting an emphasis on the prohibition of God. But it wasn't just a, a prohibition, it was a warning. It was a prohibition, but it was a prohibition as a warning. Can't, can't we hear the, the call of the leader climber saying, don't do that, don't go that way, do it this way and not that way. Not that God had to figure it out first for himself and then instruct us to do likewise. That's where the analogy fails. But the instruction of God in the garden was a, a loving, caring warning. And so Satan used the very law of God to tempt our first parents into thinking that God, God is a tyrant. He, he's just trying to keep you from doing 
what you want to do. He is blessing you by his command, or, or he is not blessing you by his command. He is suppressing you, and he's keeping you from having what he has. Well, never mind that God had just created the, the whole world for mankind, for the man and woman and their offspring to enjoy. Never mind that the entire world, light, air, uh, air to breathe, land to stand on, uh, lights in the sky, plants and, and creatures to enjoy. Never mind that it was all created for them. Again, that's the thing we must not miss. That creation was created for man to enjoy. Because if we miss that, then we miss the horror of the fall. We miss the significance of our first parents going along with the the devil and doing the very thing that a good, loving God had called them not to do. Even now, you might have trouble hearing it that way. Because anytime we hear a prohibition... We hear it negatively. The God who had poured lavish blessing upon the objects of his blessing simply warned them, don't do this and you'll be just fine. You will continue, you and your offspring. You will live forever under and in my blessing. But they listened to the devil. They ate from the forbidden tree and sin and destruction and ruin came into their lives. So, as it was in the beginning, so now it is in the law of God. A a good, loving God says, I am the Lord your God. I have brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have saved you. I have delivered you. Uh, I brought you out of the land of slavery. Now here's my law. But what did Israel do? What What are we given to do? But to say, oh, great. No more Pharaoh breathing down our necks, but now we have this God telling us what we have to do. But if that's our response to the law of God, have we not completely missed the goodness of God in creation? Look around you, not necessarily in this room, but look around the world. Look around you in the world. He said, let there be light He said, let there be air to breathe. That's the expanse on the second day. He said, let there be dry land on which you may stand and not drown in the killing waters of earth. He said, said, let there be all that you need to live and thrive and prosper and enjoy on this earth. And yet we are given in sin to do as our first parents did, to doubt God's goodness to ignore his warning, and and to even charge headlong into into error and, and sin and destruction. But it gets worse for us, does it not? Because we are doubly at fault in a way. Not only do we stand as our first parents stood, presented and, and faced with a good creation created for us, we also have the gospel. We also have the solution for sin, deliverance from the devil, uh, the news of a new creation created by God in Christ. And yet we are given once again to think of God as a tyrant, 
just trying to tell us what to do and not to do, just keeping us in the dark, keeping us from the fullness of fun that we might otherwise enjoy. So, so let's throw off his chains. We might say, let's 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 uh, uh, let, let's think about how we can get out from under the control of this God. Why would you want to do that? Why would you, why would we want to get out from under the the authority? of the God who by his authority has created all things for us, certainly for his glory, but equally for our enjoyment. Into the mix of human sin, the very sin that God knew will reside in the hearts of his people, God spoke this commandment, honor your father and your mother. Honor them that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So let's go back to the mountainside, to the climbers, and, and, and let's consider the, the response of the, of the climber who is following, uh, the response uh, to the instruction being called out to him when he says, be quiet and don't tell me what to do. What is the leader supposed to do but turn back to his own climbing? And with what pain does he do so? His instruction has been rejected. The blessing that he would bestow has been rejected needlessly and perhaps even fatally rejected. God's word does speak of the pain of God. um, The pain that God feels when his people reject his blessing. Scripture speaks of grieving the Holy Spirit. But let us understand that the pain and and grief that God feels goes right along with his intention to bless. And that's how we must understand God's law, not as his control and, and manipulation, but as the very command of his blessing. We must see and hear God in this way. As the God who commands his blessing, it would be it would be wrong to hear God begging as if he said, please, just listen to me. But God's word does speak of the pain and the grief that God feels when his blessing is rejected, when his wise counsel is set aside, when sinners go their own way and sin upon that wide path that leads to destruction. And so finally, living long in the land. The fifth commandment says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The reference in Exodus 20 is uh, clearly the reference to the promised land, that, that real, physical, historical land of Canaan. Uh, it is described and identified many times as a land flowing with milk and honey. Once again, the point is the blessing of God. God God was ready to stack up, we might say, to stack up his blessings. Having delivered them from Egypt, out of the land of slavery, out from under Pharaoh's rule and cruelty, he had no intention of leaving them in the wilderness without a place to dwell, without a a place to to work and enjoy their labors, a, a, a place to get married and to have children, a place to gather the harvest and have a party to celebrate. 
uh, a place to smile, a place to laugh, a place of pleasure, a place to enjoy the good creation that he created in the beginning. But if we know the history, then we know that even in the land, sin remained and sin even abounded. Delivered from Pharaoh, from Egypt, and from slavery, the people of God remained in bondage to sin. So was the blessing of God insufficient? Was it God's fault that Israel was delivered and yet were still dominated by sin? No, there, there was something more coming. And, and what was coming has now come. And, and, you, and yet what now has come in our day is still coming. When we hear this reference to living long in the land, we must hear of heaven. That new creation that God has now accomplished in Christ. Sometimes, many times, salvation gets reduced down to Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And, and that's not wrong. That's not wrong But what Jesus accomplished was far more than just the forgiveness of my sins, which are many and great. He accomplished a whole new creation. Or maybe we should put it this way, to to keep it both gloriously personal, but also gloriously global and even cosmic. That when Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he accomplished my place in his new creation. And this is why children must honor their father and their mother, so that parents might be faithful in telling their children this good news, so that children will be quiet and sit down and learn this good news. Our children will show us our own givenness to rebellion. Our children will want to go play when they need to learn. Our children will resist the good news just as we do, just as our first parents did in the garden. The good news of a a creation set before their eyes for them to enjoy. God issues this command, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long. Well, read that as eternal. That your days may be eternal forever in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Giving you. Can we not hear the gospel in those words? Can we not hear a throwback to creation? It's done. Creation is accomplished. The pattern is full. It's time to land the plane. Be quiet. Sit down and enjoy what God has made for you. This is... This is actually really the fourth commandment. But, but the fifth commandment follows then to say, children, be quiet, sit down, and enjoy what God has made for you. And also so that parents will teach their children the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. But what do we do instead? We live our lives as if this life is all there is. 
We don't talk to our children about death. Um, We speak so little of the answer to sin that God has provided in Christ. We don't require of our children the honor that will save them by our instruction, by their learning, by the knowledge they gain unto faith in Jesus Christ, unto the hope of a new creation, a creation that has now come, and a creation that belongs to us now, but that a creation that is yet coming. And it will belong to our children only as parents are faithful, only as we as a church are are faithful, and as children honor their father and their mother and those in authority over them for eternal life in the eternal land that the Lord their God is giving them and to all his people in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for your your law, your instruction. O God, may we hear it as we ought, knowing you to be a good and loving God, knowing you to be the very essence of goodness, and knowing your goodness through Jesus Christ, the salvation that we have in him, knowing without a doubt through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ that you are a good and loving God. May we indeed honor our parents and indeed honor all those whom you have placed in authority over us, that we might live long in this life, that we might live forever as we know Jesus and trust him for our eternal life. In Christ's name we pray, amen.